Hey everybody, this is Adam, the co-host of the podcast you're about to listen to, depending on which podcast you're about to listen to. But either way, I am the, uh, you know, owner, founder, creator, whatever you want to call it, of the Unpops Network. And I just wanted to remind you that you can hear this show every single week if you subscribe to the Unpops Podcast Network on Patreon. Because if you're hearing this message right now, it means you're listening somewhere other than Patreon, which is fine. We love you all the same. But also, why not listen to the rest of the episodes because they're also really good. And I know what you may be thinking. Hey, Adam, it's because we don't have the money. Why don't you get off our backs? I understand that too. But also, just wanted to let everyone know, in case anyone didn't, that you can hear this podcast and most of our podcasts every single week for just $5 a month. That's not $5 each. $5 total. You get 10 to 12 episodes every week. It's such a damn good deal. Patreon.com slash unpops. Go check it out. And thanks. We love you. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to What in the World? Hi, guys. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I am Quincy Johnson. Is this second? And we're your hosts. We're hosts who co. We co-host with most co's. I said I said we were your coasts last time. Hey, coming to you from coast to coast. It's the coast with the most. Give it a friend of Top Brown. And by last time, I mean an episode that may or may not have come out yet because I'm getting confused. We record two of these at a time. You know how it works. We tell you that all the time. This is the part where I go, hey, Quincy, what have you been doing since we recorded last? And you go, shut the fuck up. No, I would never say that to you on camera. Well, well, yeah. I'm just giving people some behind-the-scenes okay, feels. Okay, uh, guys, I'm sorry for the inside baseball here. I understand you see that Adam Todd Brown and I have a nice rapport when we speak to each other in this studio. Right. But outside of this room, he can go to fucking hell. It's very contentious. Oh, I hate your presence. Oh. You but make, I'm happy to see you right now. You make me want to vomit outside <laughs> the studio. But inside, you make me feel good, Quincy. You know, and you see, this is how you know we're professional as fuck, because we can put our differences aside to brew up quality cast for you guys. Exactly. So you can learn more about Europe's last dictator. Uh-oh, dictator! It's what we're talking about today, and that... Dictator. This is a guy we've talked about briefly on an episode before about dictators and fascist regimes around the world. And that's a thing we're going to dig into more as sort of a series. We're going to go through some of history's different dictators and just how their regimes operate and And how they started. Remember, guys, when we say history and dictator, we don't mean like, oh, this is a history. Like, there was a dictator 50 years ago. There's dictators out there right now. This guy. For example. Yeah, this isn't like, oh, we're going to give you the last dictator back before there was moving pictures. Nah, bro, he's got an Instagram account. You know what I'm saying? This guy got elected in 94. (laughs) 
he was definitely on AIM. He okay? is he is recent. He he got elected in '94, and he's currently serving his fifth term. I don't know if that sounds unusual for a president, but it is. Uh, he's been uh, his name is Alexander Lukashenko, mm-hmm. and he is the president of Belarus, which is for all intents and purposes Europe's last and right now only true dictatorship. I mean, a lot of Europe feels like a dictatorship. You know. Last of the best, man. Yeah. yeah. Last of a dying breed. Last to do it. Mm. Mm. Respect, Respect. Bro. Yeah. Respect. Shout out, Lukashenko. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about the current state of Belarus and how things got to where they are, which is they are basically governed. To me, Alexander Lukashenko, to me, is basically Europe's Kim Jong-un, mm-hmm. or he's Russia's Kim Jong-un, whereas China is... The, the the world power in the North Korea equation where that's like their ally but they have to like yeah. they fight sometimes and you, you have to, it's a necessary evil so you right yeah, yeah, yeah. and that that's kind of the case with Lukashenko in Belarus but let, let's talk about the history of Belarus first I mean just to humor the audience I mean I know we all went to the same school. We, we all know all everything know. about the history yeah, of Belarus. Yeah, we get it, guys. This is this is just redundantly repeating information. No need to comment about it. Just suffer through. Just bear with us while we go through the stuff you already know. Mm-hmm. Towards the end of World War One in uh, 1918, Belarus declared its independence as the Belarusian National Republic. Hey, man, it, it was a it was a different time back then. We needed to. We needed to express our individuality. That's what was going. I was sweeping the world at the it time. It was sweeping the world at yeah. that time. Belarus needs that respect, right? And they got that respect for about a year. <laughs> and then the Red Army said, "Oh, they're a small country. We can invade." And they did exactly that. And one year after declaring independence, they became the Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic. Hey man, we had a good run though. Back in the BSSR. 1918 and 1919 was a good year for Belarus, bro. I bet they still have (laughs) t-shirts. Can can we get some BNR t-shirts with 1918 (laughs) to 1919? That is so good. Bunch of of white fists raised. (laughs) Russian tanks off in the distance just already driving up. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, we're sorry, Belarus. It's going to get worse. So in 1922, Belarus actually became the founding member of the USSR, which I did not know. In the 30s, they were hit especially hard by Stalin's purge of intellectuals and political opponents, which claimed more than 100,000 lives in Belarus. And that was just in the 1930s, and there were thousands more that were sent to labor camps. Thank God they don't use condoms over there, because they just keep turning people out. Exactly. Churning them out. Churning them out. In 1941, obviously, the Nazis showed up, and another million people were killed during the Nazi occupation of Belarus. But the Soviet Red Army, Army managed to drive the Germans out in 44. And thus began a long period of Russification. There you go. That's when they planted russet potatoes all over the countryside. I think it was just that. Yeah, that's yep. all. That's Russification. And there might have been a little bit of a push to make Belarus like baby Russia. That that might have been part of it also. Well, the potatoes would be used to make vodka, so... 
So I'm in favor of it for sure. Okay, okay. like I'm definitely. I'm just as long as you're not part of my platform. As long as you're not opposed to you know the Soviets being terrible to in Belarus because we need those sweet potatoes. We do need those. Mm-hmm. They probably have prisoners there that we can't release because they're picking the potatoes and mm-hmm. making them into vodka. Yeah, man. It's a sorry Belarus. You, if you, you're bad for being there, yeah, it, yeah, it's your fault for needing help. <laughs> that is. That's the motto. Uh, <laughs> That's the motto. So things went well. I mean, as well as Cold War era Soviet Union countries could go for a couple decades. But things started to get strained with Russia and Belarus around 86 mm-hmm. when the Chernobyl disaster happened. Istanbul to Constantinople. Isn't that, the, isn't that how the song goes? That's what you're talking about? That yep. song came out and every, nobody, it was the only thing playing on the radio and people went crazy. That's that's what you're talking about, right? There was that, okay. which I think plays into it. And then there was also that nuclear reactor that melted down. Oh, that Chernobyl. Oh, that's what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, okay. that one. And a bunch of that fallout ended up in Belarus. Hundreds of thousands. Is, by of, the way, again, fallout. Very good video game. So you're welcome, Belarus. We made you a living video game. Yeah. And the second name, the second word in that is out, which is what (laughs) you need to do when it starts falling. Yeah. And if you don't do that, it's kind of your fault. Yeah. You know? So sorry again, Belarus. Sorry you guys were trying to fall in, but that's not what we're talking about. Nope. We were falling out. Around 20% of the agricultural land was contaminated and rendered unusable still to this day. Hmm. And hundreds of thousands of people received high radiation doses. So that's bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, look, they got the land. They they got those houses at a discount rate. You're going to have to get a little radiation. That's how it goes. Look. You want a deal? Come on. Scratch and dent. Scratch and dent. It's a scratch and dent item. Big deal. Deal with it. Missy. So that was bad. Also, in 1988, this would be an interesting episode also. Glasnost happened. Which was when Mikhail Gorbachev went, you know what? We'll let you know everything about the Soviet Union if you really want to know. Oh, fuck. And people did want to know. And that's the point when Belarus found out, like they just found out, that Stalin had executed hundreds of thousands of people in the 30s. And right around then, they decided to change their official language to Belarusian. So they're they're really pushing to for their independence already before the Soviet and, Union collapses. And this is why I'm upset, because now I have to buy a new Rosetta Stone. Okay? Exactly. Really? Exactly. Really, guys? You, yeah. You, you, now I have to learn your language? Get out of my country! I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, no idea. The uh, um, But when the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, easy enough, mm-hmm. because that, that, that gave them their independence. They declared uh, their independence and immediately became the headquarters of the successor to the Soviet Union, which was the Commonwealth of Independent States. Nice. And so, cool. They're finally free of Russia. Yeah, they're free of Russia, and they can get dirty dancing on VHS. Yes. Like, this is the, this is the perfect time to be alive for them. Right. Yeah. Things are looking up. Yeah. In 1994, Alexander Lukashenko becomes president. His first order of business... Introduce policies meant to strengthen ties with Russia. Well, why would you want Russia to be your enemy? I mean, it went so well last time. Yeah, like, sure, we have a history with them that doesn't seem polarizing, good, good, polarizing, (laughs) positive, but we should have ties with them. Right. We should still try and work it out. It was such a long time ago that things went wrong. We, yeah, we, water under the bridge, guys. Water 
under the bridge. Yeah. So almost as soon as he takes office, he starts really strengthening ties with Russia. They sign up a friendship and cooperation pact. They change the Belarusian flag to one that looks pretty much exactly like the Russian flag. Well, it's all about it color, just co- has, look, color coordination. If we're going to be homies, we have to look good together. Right. And there's, so. I believe Belarus's flag is just a red flag with the Russia thing, but then there's a green stripe at the bottom. Ah, the old like green it's stripe. the most you can see, and that's afterthought. We, in, fucking in the flag. Fashion, in the fashion industry, we call that an accent. Mm. Just accent. <laughs> we just accented this fascism. Mm. Very, very. Fascism is always pretty fashionable. <laughs> that's why I know it's going to fail in the United States. <laughs> They also restored Russian as the national language, so that didn't last long. I mean, we had a good run. I, I, I did get four credits in college for Belarusian, but, you know, can't use those on a resume anymore. Yeah, that's the price you pay yeah. to be aligned with Russia, <laughs> the healing powers of Russia. Also, Lukashenko immediately expanded his presidential powers just a little. No, not enough I mean, to gotta, scare people. Kind of open, open the doors a little bit. Open for expansion. You know. I mean, it did scare people. There were massive protests. Uh, it was just that you know they shut them down really quickly through violence because oh. that's what happens once a dictator starts dictating to your country. So none of this is none of this sounds familiar, guys. No, Sorry, none of this no. sounds familiar. Sorry, none of this is happening right now. Nope. So throughout the rest of the nineties, Lukashenko continued to pass measures that widened his presidential power while also strengthening his ties to Russia. Wow. And in 2001, he wins a second term. What? What? And I bet you they thought he wouldn't because he was so corrupt and evil. Exactly. They thought he wouldn't. Outside observers claim the elections were unfair and undemocratic, but who knows if they were? Like, that's... That's just that could just be us saying hey, that's man, not the guy we want in place. We we could have we can physically show you the disparaging number between the winner and the loser and still go, but doesn't mm. matter because yeah. that's the guy we want to win. Yeah, but TV told me who won, so yeah, they must know something I don't. Yeah. So here we go. Turning point alert. In 2002, Russia proposes that they make their bond even tighter. By merging the Belarusian constitution Ooh. with the Russian constitution. The Belarusian. Just make it all one constitution. The Belarusian Russian constitution. The Belarusian Russian. Belarusian Russian. Belarusian Russian Tushin. <laughs> Tushin. Damn it. I blew it at the end. And so, in other words, Russia was like, hey, just come be Russia. We'll just, you just be other Russia. And Belarus said no. Lukashenko, because by this time, Lukashenko realizes. He's. I got a good thing going here. Right. Mm-hmm. So, surprise, a few months later, 14 European Union states imposed travel bans on Lukashenko and several Belarusian officials over human rights violations. Of course they did. Of course. Yeah. Immediately after he shoots down Russia. And it's almost comforting to know that happens other places, because yeah. that's very much an America move. Hey, man, we wrote the book, and we appreciate yeah. you guys following the blueprint. If you, if you don't play by our rules, we will do things to fuck with your well-being as a country. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Venezuela. Man, shout out to the fact that we're all gonna die. I'm just <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm, I, uh, I don't mean to be a downer. 
But come on. But it's true. (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's true. So in 2002, this all kind of takes a turn. This is where Belarus starts fighting with Russia a little bit. Got a little backbone. They start imposing all these travel bans and like they start freezing assets. There's all these extra allegations of human rights abuses and things. And it's interesting to me how, like, I've never thought of that as a strategy, Hmm. but this is a thing where someone like Putin can go in and say, hey, if you align with me, I'll make sure in the eyes of the international community, you're protected. You can do whatever the fuck you want. You can be shitty to your people. You can fucking kill people. I'll make sure you're protected. And then the minute they go, no, no. we don't want to fuck with you anymore. He goes, oh, okay, I have all this human rights shit that I'm now going to take to them and go fucking doing it. get Belarus. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's no proof that that happened, but it doesn't seem like a a, a crazy theory to me not crazy at all because it's not like the 90s were a period of not human rights abuses in belarus it was happening the whole fucking time Mm -hmm. it's just a very odd coincidence that we finally or or europe started finally cracking down when the biggest country in europe was like yet well here's the thing why would i offer to join my constitution with yours if you were wrought with human rights violations Exactly. Yeah. Why would I do that? Yeah. You sound like a bitter ex. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's that's all Russia is. It's just a bitter bitch right now. But it's a it is a great strategy to use because what is the mass media at that time, especially, was run by the major the the uh, the five major nations. Right. So you even if Belarus wasn't doing anything wrong, Russia could just say they were. Yeah. Even though they were doing terrible shit, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, they're doing terrible shit, but it also makes me wonder, like, the the next thing that happens after the, the kind of flare-up with Russia is that in 2004, they hold a referendum that backs allowing the president to serve more than two terms. Mm-hmm. And that's classic dictator stuff. And opposition parties fail to win a single seat in parliamentary elections hey, hey, that if, year. If they didn't get out to vote, you got to blame your base. Yeah. You know? Exactly. That, that's your fault. You, you just didn't rile them up enough. Literally no one came out to vote. <laughs> and, I mean, again, this is a thing where international observers were like, uh, that's weird, that's obviously fixed, the people don't want this guy in power. But don't they? Like, if at that point, if you're living in Belarus, mm-hmm. like, it's not like us with trump like you can move to chicago yeah like we're a big country and like we're gonna be threatened as a country but we're also under most military circumstances gonna be fine Mm -hmm. and the chances of someone uh just kind of coming in and like an outside entity coming in and uh uprooting our government and replacing our government is kind of a distant prospect like that's probably not gonna happen i mean trump did that but that that doesn't count uh, to what I'm talking about. But it, it's okay. It can, it's okay when the call comes from inside the house. That's what yeah, we're proving. Yeah. But it can happen in Belarus. Like mm-hmm. Belarus, the people of Belarus have to know that either Putin or us could at any point go. All right, we're just going to fucking topple your government. Yeah. So when they say a referendum passed and they say, well, obviously it was fixed. Maybe or maybe the people are just like, yeah, maybe this guy's our only hope. Yeah. Because that's that's part of it. You don't. And we'll we'll get to it in a while when we talk about like this guy's character, but he doesn't really 
he's one of those dictators who doesn't control through personality. Like you don't have to worship this guy. There's no like he's got personality. Oh, he brings this is his, why this is why they hate him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't have the god complex. Right. So he makes the person with a god complex feel inferior, and that's a weird dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a super weird dynamic. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got personality. He brings his kid to military meetings wearing military uniforms. and That's a cute kid. He's a good boy. He's a cute little dictator is what he is. He's going to be the next president of Belarus someday. <laughs> so he imposed this in 2004, and he's been president ever since. And that was 10 years into his term already. Mm-hmm. So this guy's been running Belarus for 23 years. Jordan! And he's the he's the goat, man. He's the Jordan of running Belarus. He's the Belarusian goat. <laughs> That's that sounds like it would be delicious. Guys, cook up roast up a little Belarusian goat tonight. That uh, I you know, I do like goat. Belarusian, I don't know. If, yeah. I bet Belarusian goat is is tasty. Yeah. That's actually that actually does kind of tie into something else we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Bel- the Belarusian goat. Mm-hmm. The funny story. One oh. of the only funny stories that come out of this. But hey, <laughs> hey Quincy, remember the pod? Hey, the pod, the pod, 17. I should, I should, have lit up a finger me finger. We should have when we were raving. Next time, guys. Next time, I'll remember. Fun tie-in here that the pod exercise that the world was so worried about happened in Belarus. What? In no the, way, Russia showed up in Belarus in the capital of Minsk. Well, and uh, congratulations, guys. You you are on a short list of the pod winners. Dun, exactly. It's like getting the, the Olympics of war. Mm-hmm. Russia comes and does war games in your neighborhood. You guys won. But the fact that it happened there is kind of important because for a long time, Belarus has been sort of a buffer between the United States and Russia. They've mm-hmm. always been really loyal to Russia. They exist mostly on the strength of Russian subsidies and shit. But they also have been trying to sort of assert their own version of independence and making nice with the West. And we've always kind of backed off their human rights shit because of that, because Mm -hmm. at least we have a friend in the region. But now with them allowing this Zapod thing to happen, that has put us on edge, you know, sort of wondering if they're just going to go full... Russia. And the thing is... You never go full Russia. Half Russia? Yes. Never go full Russia. Never go full Russia. Forrest Gump. Brain man. Half Russia. (laughs) And the the war that people were worried might come out of that Zapad exercise never happened. So that Mm -hmm. was good. It didn't turn into a full-scale war. Mm -hmm. But in the build-up to that, it was, you know, people made note of the fact that Belarus is in a weird position because they are still a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. So no matter how much they reach out to us, we're never fully going to embrace what they do. Until Trump. Oh, never mind. Never mind. Exactly. Well, yeah, until, until we Trump drop gets a his way. Yeah, bomb then. on them. I mean, 10 years ago, it would have been until they, you know, uh, agree to a more open system of government, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But now it's just until Trump. Like I said, the North Korea of Europe. Until he just gets on TV or Twitter and, and declares the human rights violations in Belarus need to be dealt with. Right. And that's I'm sure that's that's coming. It's I'm sure it's on the list. Yeah. And if it's not on his list, it's on Putin's list, mm-hmm. which is kind of the problem for Belarus. So they know they can't really form ties with us. And Russia knows that also. But the president can't 
fully embrace Russia either because his people aren't going to like that. Mm -hmm. And they've already shown a penchant for protesting. Granted, it turns very violent and thousands of people go to jail well, and people die. How else are we going to get these protesters off the streets so working moms can get to work? Exactly. We let, we let women work now. I'm not going to let these protesters block that, okay? I'm, call me a feminist. I don't know. Good point. So, so yeah, the, the Belarus is in a weird kind of position, and we were always sort of unsure about where they were going to side, but something happened with Zapad. Mm -hmm. A couple days ago, the Jamestown Foundation released a report about the Zapad 17 exercise and what its true aim was, mm -hmm. and what Russia was doing was seeing how easy or difficult it would be if, to invade. If oh. well, if war broke out with a with the West, how much of a logistical nightmare would it be for them to just go in and assume command of the Belarusian army? Mm -hmm. So they weren't. It wasn't. It didn't turn into a war, but they were definitely not there. They were just for dipping, what they dipping said. their toe in the water. You know, just checking the temperature. Yeah. And it, you know, that that's just another sign that Belarus is moving more in their direction. Mm -hmm. And I, I skipped over one thing. I keep saying that Belarus is basically the North Korea of Europe. There's a real fun story. We talked, I think, probably sometime last year about how Russia had banned a bunch of imported food items mm -hmm. from entering yep, from yep. certain countries. And those bans aren't in place in Belarus. So what Belarus has taken to doing is importing those products and then relabeling them as if they come from Belarus. So yeah. now in Russia, you can find like Belarusian pineapples yeah, man. on shelves. Yeah, man. What? Belarusian Parmesan cheese. Yeah. Like the finest of Parmesan oh, cheese God. from Belarus. Hey, did you not know that Belarus was located in an area where the climate is so perfect that you can pretty much produce all food any tropical fruits you want it's a very tropical climate like, in eastern europe here, here find belarus on a map right now you can't because it's a mystical magical place it's narnia right. guys it's on the sun <laughs> that's why everything grows there and then they can ship there's, it all to russia there's no hiv and all the women love short fat guys i don't know it's just perfect <laughs> it's, a per it's, it's the perfect place that would be terrible for you. You're not short or fat. I wouldn't go to Europe, though, so I, I'm good. <laughs> That's a good point. I would never go to Europe. Did I wonder if Angie came home. We'll make sure. Hold okay. on. Pausing for station identification, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Unpops Network. Hey, have you had that, uh, that Belarusian sushi everybody's raving about right now? Belarusi. Belarusi. Mmm. In stores soon. Yeah, Belarusi, guys. Get, get you a fresh plate of Belarusi. So let's talk about some of those human rights violations right. in Belarus. Uh, we've gone kind of back and forth on whether we're actually punishing this country for it or looking past it. And it always depends on how our relations are. And by that, I mean, how much money are we making in Belarus? But these rascals... In 2016, European Union foreign ministers agreed to lift a bunch of the asset freezes and travel bans that had been in place, uh, and they had put those in place over human rights concerns. 
Eight months later, you know what Belarus did? What? They brought back the death penalty. Oh, bringing it, coming back, coming back with better than ever. Keep it up to the death penalty. Because here's what happened: they they got those sanctions and freezes lifted on the because they agreed to release six political prisoners. Okay. What they did is they got those things lifted. They released the prisoners. Then they arrested four of them and executed them eight Jesus months later. Christ. And I don't even know if it was like the same, if the four they executed were from that same batch, uh-huh. but it was just like, they were like, fine, we'll let these six go, but we're going to take four more and it's going to be so much worse. And the world was like, uh, not what we had in mind. That, that, isn't, what we, that isn't what ever. we discussed, guys. No. And the thing is, there have been 400 people executed in Belarus since 1994, I believe, which when you compare it... 91. 91. Yeah, yeah. Which, when you compare it to the United States, not even close. Oh, like, of course we not. Are, We're number one. We tower over them we, in that regard. We are the Michael Jordan of prison execution. Right. We are, we are the greatest of all time. We got championship ring upon ring. We're killing it. So, li- killing them. We're, We're killing, killing the game. Them. Killing them. Killing the game. But the thing is, the difference between, I mean, the death penalty, you can argue in every case, is it's always kind of a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Like, there's always a degree of it's not that humane, and there's problems. I mean, especially here, there's so many cases where innocent people have been executed, or people that we know are innocent are waiting to be executed. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We call that justice where I'm from. Right, exactly. And, you You, know... You don't like America? Are you talking shit about justice, (laughs) which means you're talking shit about America? Like, Illinois, the reason they don't have the death penalty anymore is because there was one cop who at one point admitted, like, yeah, I sent, like, 50 people to death row with false confessions. Yeah. It was just what we did in the 70s and 80s. You think I didn't want to have a good conviction rate? I'm I'm about the numbers like everybody else, bro. Exactly. You know, you got to do your fucking reports, and you got to make your deadline. I had a... I had to make my deadline. Yeah. Which was killing innocent people. I'm fine with that because yeah. I did a good job. And the thing is, what, what makes it really different is due process. We at least have some semblance of now. due process in this country to some extent, depending on who you are and or if you have the money you get for picked it. Up in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But that is not the case in Belarus. This is how the death penalty works in Belarus. Mm-hmm. Basically, Uh, Your family member gets arrested, they're tried, and they're convicted, and then one day, a box with their belongings just shows up on your doorstep. They don't tell you when your relative was executed, they don't tell you how, they don't tell you where the body's buried, you don't get to see the body, they just disappear forever. Who doesn't love a good scavenger hunt? You know, come on. Like I Reddit can solve this. Like you middle of the day, you hear a knock at the door and you just get a box with a Boston <laughs> baseball cap, a pair of flip-flops, <laughs> and a cat flea collar, right? And then there's just like you have to put the clues together cuz like you have to look at the <laughs> the sweat stain on the hat to know that he was in Santa Monica when this, and you, yeah. then you find Jeff. Then you find what part of Belarus Jeff died in. It was probably the airport. <laughs> most likely. It was, it was most likely at a McDonald's. At, at, at the 7 <laughs> Eleven. Did you go to the Belarusian 7 Eleven? 
That's where he's you're right find there. Jeff's oh, body. he's right just, there. Just eating a, right a warm hot dog. <laughs> so, so that's harsh. The way the the death penalty works, and you know, we we don't have the greatest due process, but at least we pretend. the The problem with Belarus, I mean, it's not the only problem, but they could at least fucking pretend. Uh, there's one really famous case that we talked about this on a podcast earlier. The case of Vladislav Kovateyev. Vladislav! That's a, that's a top five name right there. It sure is. Yeah. After the 2012 elections, which is the election where Lukashenko won his fourth term. He just won his fifth term in 2015. But after the 2012 elections, there were these massive protests that broke out, obviously. And thousands of people were arrested. Some of them were tortured. A number of political prisoners were put on trial. All in a day's work. Exactly. And the problem is this turned into big international news. Mm -hmm. And Belarus started getting more unwanted attention for their human rights violations. So they did what any forward-thinking nation does in that situation. And they probably maybe faked a terrorist attack no and i don't mean they faked it it happened they just arrested someone who didn't do it and blamed it on the opposition uh basically we would never do that no never it's never in history basically a bomb went off in a minsk metro station it killed 15 people and injured 195 and uh we're gonna send thoughts and prayers to all those people that died in the tragedy however if they didn't want to be bombed they shouldn't have been outside that day. yeah sorry that's guys. what you get for having a job to go to yeah sorry yeah so they uh, immediately blame the opposition in belarus and they round up a guy named Vladislav Kovateva mm-hmm. in the aftermath. And from every everything that's out there, all the information that's out there, it seems like they picked him up very arbitrarily. He was just kind of in the area, and they had enough to sort of link him to being opposed to the president. Mm-hmm. So, fine, here's your terrorist. He's part of the political opposition. What should we do? Well, what they did is they charged him, they denied him a lawyer, he was beaten, tortured, and eventually signed a confession. All of this while being denied a lawyer. Hey, if he would, if you didn't sign a, I'm sorry, if he signed a confession, he must be guilty. Yeah. That's how it works, right? That's how it works. Everyone go watch the confession tapes on Netflix. Nobody's ever done anything under duress before. Nope. That doesn't exist. People don't admit to crimes they didn't do. Yeah, you People don't get accused of crimes they didn't do. How about right. that? Exactly. If you're getting accused of crimes, you're most likely guilty. Yeah. Police just have a job to do. So this is a quote from Kovaleva's mother. They had to find someone to convict and punish in order to distract the focus of people from the problems that existed then. Mm. It was when Lukashenko's opponents were arrested, when thousands of people were imprisoned, that moment the trials of the political prisoners started. Mm. And this is another quote from her about how due process works in that country. I was allowed three meetings before the trial, after the verdict was announced, and before the shooting. There was a police officer behind me who controlled our conversation. My son was behind the window, and another police officer was behind him. I could not do anything to help him. Apparently, it was Lukashenko's decision to execute my son. Jesus. And so that's what being a dissident in Belarus is like. I mean, I guess there maybe there's some evidence that he was involved somewhere, but it doesn't sound like it. It seems like if they had something to go on, there would be 
that would be part of the story. Well, they would, but maybe, well, you know, you don't want to give away all the secrets. Yeah, that's true. You give as much as the people ask for. That's, yeah. You know, well, I don't want to oversell. Exactly. So if they're not asking questions, I'm fine. So, like I said, the thing that makes this guy different is there's no personality to this. It's not uh, worship me because I'm a, I'm a godlike figure and uh, your country has been blessed with my presence. He's just like, look, man, we'll fucking kill you if I, you don't fall in I, line. I like being in charge, and that's all I'm worried about. Yeah, that's, that seems like his one concern is that he be allowed to stay in charge no matter what and that the people shut the well, fuck up up about it he's making so much money because they don't have the sanctions yeah he doesn't care that that country is thriving because of the fact that those sanctions aren't on them yeah he's not gonna do anything extra no i'm good right where i am you gonna let me have my 10th presidency yeah yeah he's on number five now why make waves which is you know you got a good dictatorship going why make waves yeah and he is, it really is kind of a North Korea situation where you have two world powers mm-hmm. on each side who both don't want to fight you necessarily, but they also do kind of want to control you mm-hmm. and guide the future of your regime. And most world leaders aren't going to go for that. Mm. So let's, let's end on, I guess this is sort of, sort of a positive, positive twist ending. I'm, I'm excited for it. One thing about Belarus, it has become a tech hub. Is that where they in have Europe? Waze. Uh, it sounds Belarusian. Yeah, Waze probably I don't know. <laughs> Istanbul or I don't know. It's uh, there's more than thirty thousand tech specialists now working in Minsk, Minsk, a city of about two million people. Many of them work creating mobile apps that are used by more than a billion people in 193 countries, according to that super trustworthy local government. Oh, yeah. That's all they do. Just 30,000 candy crushes dropping every day. All we do is app, app, app. No matter what. No matter what. I thought this was interesting. There was a, a popular face swapping app a while back. That would swap your face with Leonardo DiCaprio's face. Of course. And it... Because that's an app people want. Exactly. And it actually caught on in the United States to the point that it was featured on Conan in a red carpet segment. And... Oh, wow. Look at that. So if you hold it up, you can actually hold it up. You're recording. And then position yourself. You should pop up on your face like that. This is a video on fucking Vanity Fair. Yeah, here. So I'll... Oh, it's Leo with my hair. Oh, wow. I look fabulous. Oh, that's horrifying. No, you don't look fabulous. Um, well, I'm very happy that, that is a crazy I won this ass Oscar. app, though. I think I deserve it for a movie that I've Well, no, like the in. face swap technology is huge right now. Yeah. But Come the on, fact Leo, that these at? guys just were like Leonardo DiCaprio. Look Leo at Michael Strahan. Leo's got a gap. That's horrible. Dude, Belarus is downloading our DNA right now. They're downloading the DNA of all our best celebrities right now because of this. That phone was radioactive. This is how clones happen. Yes. She should be there. No, don't do that to Jessica Alba. Let's fade that out, Brett. Uh, So, yeah, things like that are happening in Belarus. And here's this is another really interesting twist. They made another version of the app. Well, the app was developed by a developer in Belarus, a 35-year-old artist named Dmitry Kovatayev. They also developed a version that would swap your face with Alexander Lukashenko's face. Of course. 
Now imagine if someone here did that with Trump. Trump would be irate. Unless Trump sold it himself. Right. Unless Trump was selling it himself. Otherwise, because you know it would be like a mocking thing here. And it mm-hmm. probably was there too to some to some extent. But Lukashenko was like, oh, that's cool. And decided to really embrace <laughs> internet technology <laughs> in Belarus because someone developed an app that would let you put his face on anyone in the country. So, and he was like, that is all I've ever wanted is just everyone to be me. So we need to figure out the perfect app to play into Trump's yes. vanity. Right. That's all we need. In this app game, you, uh, you only are allowed to play when you, uh, they test your DNA and tell you you're the purest of the pure. Oh, yes. So you swipe your finger there, and you're only allowed to play it then. So nobody's allowed to play this game but, like, the most elite right. ge- genealogy, right? And then in the game, your character just follows the easiest path available. <laughs> fo- follows the easiest path available. You don't have to do anything. You literally just barely have to hold your phone. You know what? The phone floats. <laughs> so it's doing the work for you, but then also telling you you're doing a, you're doing a great job while doing it, right? I like and that. Your character follows the easiest path to victory, and then you're the winner. I like that. I would play that game. That's gonna be that's the Trump game. It feels like a game almost anyone could win. No, no matter. No, 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 no. Just the the best of the best. Oh, right, right. Sure, sure, sure. Because once you get on that easiest path, you're really gonna have. Yeah, you don't to, want everybody on the easy. Yeah, path, you're gonna have you? to have your shit together. You to think I want that. everyone to be successful? No. I like this game. Yeah, this is gonna be I'm a into app. it. This is gonna be a great app. Uh, so Lukashenko decided to really lean into internet technology in his country, and part of it is because they're so reliant on Russian subsidies. He mm-hmm. saw this as a way to kind of Sir, break free of that. Circumvent the law. And this is a quote from him. Creation of an IT state is our ambitious but reachable goal. This will allow us to make Belarus even more modern and prosperous and will let Belarusians look into the future with confidence. There you go. Or it'll let them just produce a bunch of fake news to disseminate in the United States on behalf of Russia. And all of this is from a man who once called the internet a pile of garbage. He was looking at the wrong porn. Yeah, he really was. He's made lots of moves to capitalize on the IT industry in Belarus including granting visa-free entry to citizens of 79 countries, including all Western states, provided they're entering through the airport, Mm -hmm. which implies that you at least have a little money to get there and some means about you, I guess. How much is a direct flight to Minsk? Yeah, should we just... $30? $40? bucks. bucks? We can do that. I wonder what kind of scratch he would give us to just station this in belarus let's just do the podcast in belarus because if we're internet technology man because if we're making enough money we can just fly to the united states for shows whenever we want i almost did that with living in la in the midwest Mm -hmm. i was just at one point gonna just fly back and forth oh yeah but we could do it yeah minsk is what 20 bucks can't be more than 30 39.95 we'll we'll fly on spirit airlines But this this push on his part hasn't. Uh, it's not without its distractors. Distractors. Detractors. Many locals see the push toward IT as just a distraction from the country's reliance on Russia, and they say it will never be enough to break that dependence completely. Well, there's no way Russian in- intelligence will ever let their 
infrastructure get bigger than they want it to be. Let's right. just be honest first and foremost. So they don't have anything to worry about. Try to get independent from dad all you want. He's always been there. And this is a quote from Sergei Chali, an economist and former government official. He calls Belarus, and I quote, a dying country with bitcoins. Oof. Ouch. But those bitcoins are expensive right now, man. Bitcoins are worth some scratch. If so you, if you've if you got them. Get, get in the game before yeah. the game blows up. And uh, this is another quote from Yevgeny Lipkovich, a blogger who made a career out of ridiculing Belarusian bureaucrats. He says the only reason the industry is growing is because the government, quote, can't seize people's brains. If they want to capture an IT company, what would they get? Computers? Because that's Ooh. what th- that's. Oh, deep. This this is still basically Soviet Russia mm-hmm. in Belarus. They still call the police the KGB, for fuck's sake. Ah. And in Soviet Russia, if you had a, a company that was doing good things, the state just came in and said, it's this ours, is ours now. That, that's, that that's how it works. Is ours. Good and, job making us rich. And the thing is, you can. it's easy to swap in other workers if your business is like a restaurant mm-hmm. or a fucking factory of Anything some sort. Anything where manual labor is uh, required to make things. Yeah. Like, like heavy lifting, moving. But he, this guy makes a good point that you can't just seize an IT company and put your own yeah, people in place. You can't, just, like, you can't just bring in some random dude off the street to start coding. Right. So, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, you could beat the shit out of the existing employees until they capitulate to your demands, but... That would never happen. That's bad for worker morale. And yeah, I can't break your fingers if I need you to use your fingers. Exactly. See? Catch-22 of the highest order. So th- there's no way these people could be coerced into working. No, no, it's not. Just saying. Right. So, this is a... It's an interesting thing to keep an eye on, uh, the, the situation in Belarus. It's... Maybe not as important as what way Kim Jong-un eventually goes, but Mm -hmm. it's still kind of important because Belarus is where it's located. It's it's the difference between Russia having a point to block us if war breaks out in that region and we have to get in or Belarus letting us get into that region through them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's kind of like the Philippines in that way, too, where it's. You know, they're not doing the greatest shit, but if shit breaks out with our biggest enemies, we kind of need them. them. Yeah. yeah. So that's why we'll never do anything about so human rights abuses we, we in Belarus. We know what you're doing, but we don't know. It's fine. I, it's, it's Who cool. are we to say? Yeah. We, got, <laughs> we got our own protests to worry about. Well, you do what you're doing. We got to take care of home first. We're building our own labor camps. Yeah. All right, so this was this was fun. This was an interesting episode. We should wrap it up. Shout out we... to Belarus, guys. Get out, get that ass to Belarus. I think this episode will come out uh, this upcoming week. Oh, nice. Okay, so a week from today. So, what do we have to plug? We still got the live podcast coming up October twenty eighth. October twenty eighth. Come to that Hollywood Hotel, nine p.m. It's free. Yeah. I'm going to be there. Quincy's going to be there. Jeff is going to be there. Carrie's going to be mm. there. We're all going to be there. Mm. I don't know what we're talking about on that podcast yet, but we're going to record it and release why, it. Why change things up now? Yeah. Why Why go in prepared? Yeah. Just joking. We're Gross. always very prepared. <laughs> Wear a costume. It's also a Halloween party. We'll be giving out prizes just fucking indiscriminately at will. Yeah, man. Like we're just firing them out of a you fucking could, t-shirt you cannon. You could win your very own Jeff made a take home. 
Nobody. You wants might it. just. Yeah, we might just Dude, give you this Jeff. Is giveaway. Can we give away Jeff? We can give away Jeff. Jeff's Jeff's on is going to be raffled off at this uh, live recording, guys. Come out to the live recording. We're raffling off Jeff May. He's all yours. And uh, come to the Darkest Hour, which returns to Westside Comedy Theater the second Friday in November. Always a good time. Howie Mandel dropped in last time I was yeah, there. That was doing damn. dark. Heard Howie Mandel say the curse words. Yeah. On the darkest hour. Good times, man. His hands were clean, but his mouth was dirty. Dirty mouth. Mm, ladies. Quincy, what do you got to plug? Uh, guys, on the 26th of October, that's a Thursday, I'll be throwing a benefit comedy show for Puerto Rican relief. Nice. And uh, we've got Maranzio Vance, Greg Barrett, uh, Lori Kilmartin. Who else is on this show with us? Uh, Jason Collins and Marcella Aguello. So it's going to be a great show. That's awesome. at the parlor. It's a free show. We're just asking that you bring uh, cash or uh, Venmo cash for donations so we can raise money for Puerto Rican relief. And then uh, Blame Social Media will be at the Improv on the 30th and at Nerd Melt on the 9th. So yeah, come to those shows, man. Please. Very nice. All right, let's get... Oh, I also, uh, for links to the articles and shit that we used uh, in this episode, go to unpops.com and uh, pull up this episode. You'll oh, see yeah. it all there. Or if you're listening on Patreon, we'll put them in the post on Patreon. Anyway, let's get the fuck out of here. Quincy, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Goodbye.